0: Welcome to the True Identity Podcast, where we will discuss topics related to your physical, mental, and spiritual health. I'm your host, Nikki Romani. As a certified life coach and athletic trainer, I am passionate about helping individuals discover their true potential, becoming their authentic self, all the while enjoying life in the process. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. the honor and the privilege of interviewing Brian Hill, who is part owner of Rehab United Physical Therapy. And we covered so many different topics about building your business and how to build a successful business and what that's been like for him, how he got into it. We talk about vulnerability and being a good leader, and we jump into body mechanics. But because we cover so many different topics, I am breaking this up into two different episodes. So in this first episode, we're going to be talking about building a business and what that's been like, how he got into the physical therapy industry. And then we also talk about leadership and some ways that he has been able to improve himself to be a good business owner and also to be a better leader. So we talk about a lot of different things, but in this first episode, that's what we're gonna focus on. And also work-life balance and how to put boundaries with your work life and your personal life and to not bring your work life home with you and to put your phone away and be present with your family so you're in for a treat we have we talk about a lot of amazing things so i hope you enjoy this episode and this interview with brian hill brian thank you so much for being here i appreciate you coming on the podcast
1: thank you for having me what an honor
0: So I want to jump right in and um, talk about, since you are a business owner and a business guy, and kind of just share your backstory as to how you got into the industry that you're in uh, with physical therapy and how that all got started.
1: Well, this story comes up a lot. I often, people that are getting into the world of physical therapy often get into that world because they get hurt. And I recall it like it was yesterday. I was fourteen years old. I was playing soccer at a really high level, and we got a weekend off of six hour practices all summer. And we got the weekend off. I go skiing, I'm water skiing all weekend. I come back. My buddy calls me and says, "Hey, we have a indoor soccer game tonight." So of course, I go and play, and in the middle of the game, I jump up, I get knocked off balance, and I land with my legs crossed, and my femur, the thigh bone snaps in half, and little you know, little did I know my next year was going to be a little different than what it was before. So, I went to the hospital, ended up having a rod in my leg, and amazingly, like many difficult things in life, it ends up being your story. And during uh, my time in the hospital, my brother was there, and we would rehab. And the rehab was to get me to the McDonald's at the end of the hallway. <laughs> You know, as a kid, McDonald's is where it's at. So uh, we would work really, really hard. And the the PT said to my brother and I, man, you guys work really good together and you guys would be great PTs. And that just kind of stuck in my head at 14 years old. And sure enough, I played soccer again, went to a school that had a PT program and was blessed to get into that. A little lucky because I didn't realize how good I had it. It's much harder to do that now. four four or five years of undergrad, tons of coursework, and then you apply to doctorate level program. I was lucky enough in 91, that tells you how old I am, uh, to get in when I could go through an accelerated program in about four and a half years. So I was very lucky and got into the field that way. And uh, how I ended up in San Diego was, through soccer as well, I got drafted to play professional soccer. Drive all the way out to San Diego, and I was from Arizona. I said, "There's no way I'm ever leaving San Diego. This is way better than that hot desert that I was living in." Mm-hmm. So,
0: so that's, yeah, that's how. You yeah, started. I mean, that's that,
1: that's how I got into the field, and then I think everything evolves from there. In the sense that I worked in the industry for three, four, five years. I had my first job down in Point Loma, working for a guy named Ed Iub, and he was a mentor of mine, and then. I started my first business uh, about 1999, 2000, I started contracting. So I would basically cover for people that were on uh, pregnancy leave or maternity leave. I would cover for sickness, whatever. So I worked all over San Diego at every place you could imagine. Much like yourself, you have so many cool jobs and you're running around, you know, doing this and that. And it's uh, similar in the sense of I felt like I needed to dabble and learn as much as I could.
0: I think a lot of people, like you said, have that story of getting into physical therapy that way because I, yeah, same as like, so I work at Rehab United that Brian owns and that's kind of how I got into, uh, yeah, athletic training and physical therapy was I was playing volleyball but decided to go snowboarding (laughs) during volleyball season in college and broke my humerus. (laughs) So, and no, it was not funny but
1: (laughs) recently showed me that picture.
0: Yes. Of my x-ray.
1: Yes. I remember that. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. And it's still at a 21 degree angle, Wow! (laughs) but I, you know, I think
1: though, don't you think that you now have a closer connection to the people you work with? So when people come in and they're injured and they ask me about it, I know what they've gone through. I know the pain of, of not only just the injury, but the pain of not being able to do what you normally are able to do. So not working, not playing, not doing things that you love. It's just as much as a psychological blow as it is a physical blow.
0: Oh, 100%. And uh, yeah, I feel like when you can say, I completely understand what you're going through, because and then you like share a little bit about your story, and then your patients open up to you even more. And then it's you get into Yeah, like the mental side of it, for sure. Certainly a
1: trust factor there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. Definitely, but yeah. So I, you kind of just followed your your uh, story into starting a physical therapy clinic. So you own this clinic with your brother, and now you have seven, right? That's so crazy. Is that mind blowing to you?
1: (laughs) It is a little bit. I mean, I started in my garage, so the first clinic was my garage in Allied Gardens. And uh, one employee, <laughs> yeah. myself.
0: Yourself, yeah. And uh, yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah. My mom, I convinced to move from Arizona to help us. I knew I needed some help from the business side, um, but you know, I rem- I specifically recall being in the industry and realizing at the time no one was doing anything that was that gave me passion. So when I worked for a lot of different. People, I was never drawn to staying with that clinic because they weren't inspiring me in a certain way. And I think if I found someone that inspired me, I would be all in and say, hey, I'm, I'm excited about being a part of this team. But, you know, things were very traditional and PT at the time. And to some extent, they still are. And I realized I want to give something more to my clients. And in the contract business, you're there for two weeks. You meet someone and they want to stay with you and then you got to leave. And they're going, oh, I want to schedule with Brian. So I realized I needed to have that longevity with my patients, and I wanted that opportunity to connect with them and influence their life further and mentor further than just that two weeks. And so it was kind of ironic. It was March uh, 2003. I'm sitting in a a convention, well, a course, and I was just so inspired. I didn't even make it two hours into this talk. Uh, You know the name, Gary Gray, who's a big inspiration to us. And we're in this room, and I realized I don't need anything more than these four walls. And that was March, and uh, by June we opened the doors. And that's a pretty fast turnaround. That's not really normal. Uh, a yeah. lot harder to do that now in PT. You cannot do it that fast. Insurance is different. The expectations, but yeah, we drove up to a space, thought loved it, and and honestly, we didn't have a ton of connections. I didn't take any business courses. I wasn't. I didn't have mentors. I. I I just felt like if we built a vision and a purpose, if the, if literally what we were doing was for a purpose of really influencing and positively impacting lives better than anyone else. And everyone says they're be- the best, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're the best. I think what made us the best wasn't that we said we were the best it's that we really took the time and did something different for the client. We gave them more than what they even knew they wanted. I mean, we would like, we'd stay till midnight if we had to play soccer with the soccer kid to give them back or you know we would call the doctor and go to the doctor you know when you start a business you're a little nervous that you're not gonna make any money
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and you'll do anything so we joked that we'd go to Vons and hit people with carts and then hand them our card and say hey we'll rehab that industry <laughs> obviously that's a joke but you know, <laughs> the joke is Keep we would do floor. anything yeah I'd say, I think it's like a mom and a child, right? You start a business and you should never get into any business if you don't love it so much that you'd do anything for it because now you're not passionate about it. And when it gets hard, are you going to put the time and the effort into it? And for us, it was, there was no option of failure. It was do anything and everything you could to make this business thrive and, and grow. And obviously we did the right things because we're doing so
0: yeah so because you didn't have any of those business classes or anything like that did you seek like mentorship or people who were doing something similar to what you're doing to learn from them
1: i certainly i knew some people in the industry in particular from arizona Uh, a guy by the name of derek stevenson uh, owns a functional rehab center there this guy brett fisher who made the app dolly that everyone's familiar with Mm -hmm. but they weren't really mentors like we ask them a few questions, but it wasn't that mentorship like we're looking for these days where you can sit with someone and really work through an issue or a problem and try to solve it. I didn't have that. I mean, kind of as a as a kid, I was always savvy. I would I could sell the most candy bars at any kid in the baseball team. I would have these garage sales and I would get all my friends to donate their toys and I would sell their toys and make you know I always was into creating the business. In college, I'd buy a big pizza and I'd sell slices. So that was kind of always me. So I I think as a kind of my gut decisions for 10 years worked, it was more as I realized the business was growing beyond my capacity uh, of the experience I had that I really reached out to mentorship. I joined a program called Vistage. Any young business uh, entrepreneur should consider it. It's a group of Uh, CEOs, potentially, or even uh, lower level, you know, VPs, and you get together in a group and you really dive deep into your business and figure out ways you can grow it and manage it. But I didn't have any of that until really the last several years. Up until that point, you know, I had to make mistakes like anyone else does. And I I made a lot of them, but I learned from them. Uh, I really always had that real high drive to solve problems. And you know, like you want to be a great boss. and Sometimes you're a grumpy boss. Sometimes you're a happy boss. And and I I had to learn some really hard stuff. Um, I, I will tell you this. What changed my, kind of changed my world was a book by Patrick Lencioni. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Hmm. And I try to encourage all my team members to read it. Uh, I would highly encourage any of your listeners to read it. It's so powerful. It talks about, these five items that we all go through, whether it's business or life, and communication, accountability, trust, results, things that really matter in a business. But if you lose track of that, it's really hard to manage that business. So going out on it alone is can be very tough.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people, a lot. I think they forget that you need to seek wise counsel and things and look for outside sources sometimes, right? <laughs> well,
1: wise counsel, like not taking financial advice from someone that doesn't have their right. own house, right? Well, yes. So, <laughs> so I always looked at it as my mentors often were my patients. Uh, i seek uh, information advice from as many people as I could, but When you don't have that, you really have to do your due diligence. And that's either uh, taking on some sort of reading strategy to to look at what people have done in the past to be successful. And Mm -hmm. so many people nowadays are so driven to do something on their own. And that's awesome. It's passionate. It's exciting. But most people get into business because they're a worker that sees their their task and goes, why couldn't I just do that? You know, a plumber sees the, the money that the owner's making and says, why can't I do that? But what they don't realize is they're the plumber right now. They're not the manager. They're not the owner. They're not the financial deci- decision maker. And once we get into that and we start wearing every hat of the business, it becomes real evident what you're strong at and what you're not. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to self-reflect and say, what am I good at and what am I not good at? I was able to look real quick closely at myself and realize i'm not a huge detail guy i'm more of the artsy guy i can put my hands on someone and get their shoulder moving better and i can feel things but when it came down to the statistics and the numbers and i understand well but not perspective Mm -hmm. and so when as soon as you realize that you go put yourself around strong people that's why you want mentorship that's why you want a a group to meet with and start to bounce ideas off of because why wouldn't you wanna save yourself trouble? Like I would give anything to save people the, the headaches that I've gone through and say, Hey, don't do that. That's gonna cost you some money, some time, some stress. Maybe we don't do that this to go around.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, when did you recognize that or was there a time that you were trying to do everything and then you realized, oh, wait, I like you kind of mentioned it, but you needed to stop and reflect and be like, okay, this is what I'm good at and this is what I'm not good at. And then when did you like hire someone to help you or when were you able to recognize all that?
1: That's a great question. Um, There's a book called The E-Myth. And it really means entrepreneurial myth. And it talks about, again, these three hats that you wear. And I, I wore those three hats for way too long. I literally did everything. I made every decision to the point where my really capable, strong employees were not able to make decisions without going through me. And I had to realize I wasn't empowering them to help us grow and succeed. And when I got out of the way and focused on what I'm really good at is when Rehab United started to really grow and that took some time for me. I would, if I could go back and meet my former self, I would just say, hey, you know, go get some advice a little sooner, get, start to realize what you're really strong at and focus on that and bring people around you that are, that are much better than that. And that took me too long. It took about eight years before I was able to really start to let go. And even more recently, as you know, I'm, I'm not treating as many patients because I'm managing the business. Um, but I really love the mentoring side of things. And I feel like that is a portion of what I, that gives me some passion as well as taking young therapists, young age, young staff members and talking about other things than just shoulder range of motion or knee flexion or whatever, but talking about life and how my, they might be able to think about things a little different.
0: Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, it's not just running a business. It's, it's your life, you know? So is there, <laughs> how are you able to, you no able, yeah, no, there isn't. So how are you able to like is there, did you separate your personal life with business or is it all just kind of incorporated (laughs) together?
1: Yeah. I mean, at at risk of sharing too much, I think, uh, you know, I, I wore the hats too much and I never took them off. And so if you don't set boundaries in your life, you end up bringing everything home. And now your relationships at home are a lot harder. In fact, my relationships with my family, it's a family business got harder. So it really required a conscious decision and follow through in an effort to shut it down and just rules you know you go out to dinner and you're not talking about the business anymore the phone is put away when I get home and it's only gotten better I have a daughter and I can get home and I don't want the phone sitting there it's interrupting my time but I think when we're younger it's really hard to shut this this thing off called technology I mean not only did we, we shut, maybe we shut off a little bit from the business, but now we're Instagram, we're Facebooking, we're, we're never turned off. And if we, don't, if we don't take a break from it all, it's, hard, it's really hard to reflect on the things that you're doing or not doing and, and the things that you need to work on. And so it took me a long time. Again, some of the messages, maybe you gotta you need to spend time on yourself. And when you're so in it, it's really hard to reflect if you can't step away and have some oops sorry about that
0: okay. see what I
1: mean by <laughs> like, right, having this connected to my computer my phone's on I, I'm yep. still, connected,
0: still. The yeah. connected that's
1: okay classic right well that was perfect timing let's yeah. just say that there was proof that we have to figure out a way to shut it down <laughs> yeah so again I would I would love to talk to myself and have a better balance. You know, I've learned so much. And when we opened Seattle, I was able to speak to our director there, Kelly, who's a part owner and really emphasize setting boundaries and having a balance. And he's done a really good job and he's as successful as he would have been if he worked 40 hours a day. You know, it's just not worth putting every ounce of your time. in. it doesn't mean you're not passionate. It doesn't mean you don't love what you're doing. You just have to give yourself that time to reflect and actually Work on yourself outside of that actual business.
0: Yeah, you're working smarter, not harder.
1: Certainly, that's it. things have been around for a reason.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I think the society that we live in is so fast-paced, and we're so connected that I think that's really great that you talked about creating boundaries because we need to shut down, we need to turn that off, and just really focus on ourselves because we can't give our best if we're not our best ourselves and taking care of our own self
1: yeah exactly I would have these meetings with staff and they can just feel the tension of the stress they knew everything I was feeling I was sharing and and that's not I I feel as a leader you really need to poise yourself and come in and, and not be honest and truthful and share and be transparent but at the same time your your team that's following you needs to see that hey we all need a work-life balance. We all need to not take all of this home because if, you know, I'm not a big fan of the word term burnout. I just, I kind of call it a little BS right now. Like I think it's just overutilized. Right. And I think the reason we feel that way is because we haven't set boundaries for ourselves. And I think if we were able to take some responsibility for ourselves and create that boundary, we probably wouldn't need to blame that on our job or a relationship or whatever. We need to, actually take some responsibility for it. And, I, and when things got better is when I took responsibility for myself and said, hey, you got to do something different here. And again, that was five dysfunctions. That was coming to my team saying, hey, I made some mistakes. I didn't, I didn't give you guys a long enough leash to make some decisions that you want to be autonomous in. And again, when we did that, we had a lot of ha- more happy you know, team members. They were, they were excited and empowered to, to grow in their own capacity
0: hmm And way to set the example as a leader too, because your employees do look up to you and the team that you're leading looks up to you. So if you're modeling the way that you want them to be, that speaks volumes to them. If they're like, oh, wow, Brian's doing this. So maybe I should take notice and do it my, myself.
1: But don't you see a lot of the people you work with and talk to have a really hard time doing that, right? They,
0: <laughs> I think. <laughs>
1: exposing themselves is what it is it's it's sharing that I'm not perfect it's sharing that I haven't made all the right decisions and I, I think I don't really know I know from my own experience that was really hard for me I didn't want my employees thinking less of me when reality is what I gave them the truth of who I really was there was more respect there was more understanding there were people that are willing to work harder and I think we have to make those those tough decisions and put ourselves out there to truly be successful.
0: Yes. Have Do you know who Brene Brown is? And she, of Yeah. She wrote the book, Dare to Lead.
1: I love that book.
0: Such a good book. And yeah, you're talking about a lot of things that she talks about. About, I mean, you want to share. Obviously, there's things that you don't want to overshare or share too much. But when you share a little bit about what's going on and you're vulnerable with your team, then they see, oh, wow, he's a real person. He's human too, struggling with things, but we're all in this together. I think that's huge leadership.
1: Well, two things on that. One is we're in a society that tells us that we kind of need to form this bubble and we want to present an image of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we're better at sharing with our friends that we trust that are going to judge us, but at work, it becomes this different world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we all are better when we can be a little bit more vulnerable it doesn't mean you're sharing like you said I don't need to give my whole personal life at work but if I'm at least open to the possibility that I have something to offer someone and help them grow or vice versa chances are as a team we get better. Uh, Number two is Brown wrote a book called Rising Strong and what I love about that book is it's essentially what all of us have gone through has just been beaten down, fallen down on our face. And it's it's just equally about getting back up. I'm not a believer in failure. I've never had an issue with risk. I can take risk all day long. Not everyone's like that. People that are gonna hear this going to hear this going into business are paranoid and they're going to, I got to have everything perfect. I would challenge those people to take some risk. And those who take major risk, I'd challenge you to put some people around you that can help you make really good <laughs> decisions. But I do really like that i I really connected to that concept because i i in fifteen years you go through a lot and you 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 fall down you make mistakes you but what helps you get up from those mistakes is also the fact that you were vulnerable and shared with people, and now they your team members recognize you are human and wow we we can get behind this vision and this person and or company because we believe in it, and they're not a robot running the business purely for financial reasons,
0: mhm, yeah. And I know Brene Brown has such amazing books and talking about vulnerability and stuff and just letting people Is she
1: in. She's she a sponsor of your
0: podcast? I, you know, I want her to be. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, I think it's – this is a concept that not a lot of people really talk about or know because I know, like, when I talk about, like, boundaries or routines and stuff like that or, like, shutting my phone off, like, 30 minutes before I go to bed and then I read for a little bit, people are like, oh, my gosh, you turn your phone off? Like, what is that? I'm like, I'm trying to, like, quiet all the noise. <laughs> but
1: it's- And there's so much noise. One of my favorite – photos to take nowadays is I take a photo of everyone else with their head down in their phone so we're out on a bike ride beautiful San Diego it's absolutely gorgeous we're at the coast everyone stopped and they're all looking at their phone and so I don't I just joke and take a picture or video of them all looking at their phone and I wow they're that beautiful sunset now granted it's been raining a lot lately but yeah. uh, it's very difficult because technology is coming at us so fast nowadays. And in our industry, you know Dr. Google is a problem. You know, people come in and Dr. Google yeah. said "I have this, right?" And I'm like, "Well, my degree is a little bit better than dr. Google's, so i I do think that it right more now more than ever, we have to we have to create that time where we're, where brain is not so stimulated. Like think this is something I always say, and, I, and maybe it'll help someone think, but as a kid my I'm old enough I would go outside and we would lay down after like swimming in the pool and look up at the clouds and we would see what the clouds look like the only way you can do that is if you have time where you just sit and do not I mean literally you're thinking about a cloud and it looks like a rabbit or something and people aren't doing that anymore you know most of the time they're running into someone I mean San Diego has had four or five people fall off a cliff because they're looking at their phone
0: What a literal cliffhanger to end on, right? I really enjoyed interviewing Brian. I've known him for about three and a half years now as I have been working at Rehab United as an aide and working as an athletic trainer, getting contracted out to different sporting events. But it's been super fun getting to know Brian and just chatting with him more about things that we normally talk about, and that's something that we get into in part two is how the conversation that we had on this podcast interview is kind of what we have regularly. So it's kind of fun to actually press record so that others could hear the kind of conversations that we have. So that was part one of my interview with Brian. Like I said, I'm splitting it into two parts. And so next time, part two, we will talk more about this topic and get more into body mechanics and body movement and the importance of moving our body and stretching and foam rolling and all that stuff and how it's all connected, body, mind, and spirit. So make sure to tune in next time on the True Identity Podcast to hear the rest of this interview with Brian Hill. And make sure to look to the show notes so you can get all of the references of the books that we talked about and to check out Rehab United's website because it's pretty awesome. But I hope you enjoyed this episode as I got to interview Brian Hill and make sure to subscribe to this podcast, especially if you wanna hear part two of this interview so then you will know when it's released and ready to go. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, your true identity is not what you do, but who you are. And you are awesome.